0: morning scott bass
1: good morning good morning how are you i've been better
0: oh no sorry to hear that yeah do you want to uh expose what's what's ailing you? you don't have to
1: sure we can expose it
0: well it doesn't have to be on on air i
1: I don't care i have nothing to hide
0: oh spill it
1: then buddy i'm just i am who i am you know what i'm saying oh we're not have we started yet I mean I pushed record. Do you want do you want me to intro the show or?
0: Oh no let's give Neat Essentials Real Water Sports and NBS Finn some love.
1: You know what David I've got my Neat Essentials. I know it looks like it says Patagonia but right here <laughs> I've got my Neat Essentials Super Warm Puffy and I had it on earlier this morning. It's friggin' so warm that jacket I pulled it off because I was sweating. I love it. Plus I've got um, I just had Uh, shingle shot yesterday so I got you know chills and then warmth and then chills and then warmth
0: yeah the technology of the puffer is amazing it's lightweight you know but it's so freaking warm um and we've we probably haven't reset the topic with neat essentials in a long time because we just presume that everybody knows what it's all about but the idea is The premium quality product with no marketing or no like uh, hang tags, no logos, no color selection, just kind of black, one color, simple, but everything you need, nothing you don't is the idea with the brand. So neatessentialsusa.com and uh, they started with wetsuits, but now they have outerwear as well for snowboarding and skiing. And you know what I
1: do this time of year, each year, when the the clock's, spring forward, I always go, oh, you know what? I need a short sleeve full suit for the spring. Yep. So I go on to needessentialsusa.com and get a killer front zip, <laughs> zip short sleeve
0: full yeah. suit. Sweet. Um, so need essentials. Here's, the, here's yeah. the big
1: question though. <laughs> this is me. actually, a, it's kind of silly, but at one point at Surfer Magazine, Evan Slater and I and some others I think we might've even done an article on this, believe it or not, but it's the age old short sleeve, full suit or long sleeve
0: spring suit. What's your take here? It depends on your body type. So if you're an ectomorph, uh, <laughs> What's that? Would, uh, I'm an ectomorph, I believe tall, skinny, you wear the short sleeve, long leg. Yeah. So Rob Machado here from the, the perfect examples from my youth, Rob Machado, short sleeve, long leg. Now, if you're more squat and bulky, Taylor Knox, you can get away with the short leg, long sleeve. Right. That's how you pull it off. So I would imagine Evan was probably advocating for the short leg, long sleeve. He was. And you were advocating for the short leg sleeve. This is all
1: true. This is all true. It fits certain body types, you know? Well, my feeling is in the spring, the water's still chilly. I mean, you're paddling out in 63 degree water, but it's expected mm. to be a warmer air temperature so you, the part that's above the water your arms you can get the sun on it the part that's below is chilly you need protection so short sleeve full suit.
0: so you do you ever wear short or a long sleeve shorts any time of year long sleeve shorts on yeah long sleeve with shorts um, like evan would wear
1: only occasionally i will if like what i'll do in the summer sometimes is i have a short john and i have a jacket and i combine yeah. the two which is really gotcha. helpful because you can you know depending on how warm it is you can just take the jacket off you know so
0: gotcha gotcha um uh, all right well there you go all of those things are available on neat um and then of course nbs fins joined us a year or two ago and uh, they're supplying all of the fins I use for for all of my different boards, short, uh, short board, mid-length, all that, uh, twin fin, thrusters, single fins. And I exclusively ride the Apex Series Construction. All the range of fins is available in the Apex Series Construction if you want it. And that's the G10 fiberglass laminate, uh, super fine foils, indestructible. That's not their copy, but that's my my own take. <laughs>
1: well i too i'm a big fan of, i'm a big fan of what they're doing and uh, and you know i i i have a lot of their fins and a lot of my boards but i like to change it up i do different things and uh, that's one of the things
0: i do Surfnbs.com. and then lastly realwatersports.com uh trip foreman and our buddies over in north carolina providing not only 1,500 surfboard inventory that they can ship to you anywhere in the world for one flat fee, but they do surfboard reviews as well. So uh, those are really informative. Their goal is kind of to get you into the right board for your local waves and your surfing ability. So they can do that through customer service, knowledgeable staff, but go on their website, peruse their videos, and that can help guide you as well.
1: Yeah. And um, as I've always said, I mean, it's a knowledgeable staff, as you mentioned, but man, the customer service there is great. So that's one thing that I, I think in this sort of disruptive, you know, new economy where we're doing everything online, customer service is one area, where, as a company and a business, you can really stand out and envy or excuse me, real water sports has figured that out and they do a great job.
0: I couldn't agree more. I am a huge fan of customer service. And in fact, we'll get so miffed if somebody has terrible customer service, which more and more businesses seem to. Even Apple um, with our podcast, two or three weeks ago, they didn't populate an episode. And so I re- they used to be so responsive, you know, I'd email them, they'd get back to me within an hour. They took three or four days, never replied. I follow up again. They still don't reply. By the following week, I publish a new episode. Then everything automatically corrects. I never ended up hearing back from them. And I'm like, Apple, you guys, I loved you. I would advocate for you endlessly. But if you lose the customer service angle, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, man. Don't do that, companies out there.
1: That's yeah. just, like I said, that's just the smart thing to do, to separate yourself
0: from the pack. It's, it's classic good business, whether it's tech, old school, anything. I'll t- what's your experience with cell phones? Because I've had some
1: horrible customer service experience, and it's my opinion and my experience will tell me that Verizon has got great customer service relative to the others.
0: Okay. I haven't used them. I've not needed any customer service, thankfully, with my cell phone, so I haven't encountered it yet. Let me ask you this.
1: Okay. I've got a good, good friend of mine that has gone back to the flip phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He can do text, but it's like yeah. old school text. I think I maybe, did I already bring this up once?
0: We we did, but go ahead.
1: Anyway, what's your thought on that? Do you,
0: can it's you go back to, do you,
1: do you have envy? Do you have flip phone envy? Like I do.
0: I do. Yeah. I will not do it, but I absolutely wish I was that guy. I I, uh, wish I could simplify in that way
1: yeah it speaks of a sort of freedom that he has that because we're you and I through business we're tied to all the apps yeah but he's just so, like and 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 the weird thing is, is that I don't hear from him anymore like I'll send him a picture or a meme or something he's just he just never replies you know right and of course when he calls I just go sorry I can't talk right now so.
0: <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to talk on the phone um, that's really fascinating yeah I could, we could do a full episode probably on that.
1: yeah guy yeah guy welcome everybody yeah guy it is spit it's wednesday march 16th david and uh it's uh cloudy and there's pretty solid swell in the water here down in san diego three feet of 18 second new west swell rolling in with some variable onshore winds it's a bit bumpy but uh, plenty of surf which we haven't seen in a long time
0: and yet here we are for the people giving them the podcast scott
1: dude you don't even know like when, when I was like where you're at now with young children, it seemed like every time I took the kids for a stroll on the beach or whatever, the waves were good, you know? And then when it yeah. was like time to go surfing, the waves were bad. And yeah. it seems like every time you and I schedule a pod, I'm like, okay. And then that day in the morning, it's like, oh, that's my window. Like in three hours, it's going to be blown to shit. You know? Yeah.
0: Anyway. It's very likely. It's the way it works. But we had to because we had to get together because we have a special guest today who will be joining us in about 10 minutes time and uh i don't know if it's a spoiler alert but he is the winner of stab in the dark with featuring jack robinson as the test pilot and it is the one and only brit merrick of channel island surfboard so he'll be joining us shortly to talk about that experience and the winning board
1: well, cool. That looks fun. I've, I watched the final episode. Of course, I watched all the episodes of Stab in the Dark, and uh, I find it fascinating. And you and I are big fans. I think most people are, are huge fans of that that series. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to talk to Brit, find out how he's feeling about it. He's a two-time champion.
0: Yeah, and um, we're big fans of Brit as well. In addition to Stab in the Dark, fans of Brit and oh, yeah. the Channel Islands legacy and what they've done. Um, One quick follow-up before we get into Stab in the Dark. Um, We were talking about the Bob Dylan documentary, No Direction Home, last week. And we figured out, at the end, when I went to Shazam that song, I figured out, in the closing credits, the special thanks section, guess whose name appears?
1: Um, Should I know this?
0: Yeah, because I sent it to you. Dirk and Natasha Ziff. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: The owners of the WSL are being thanked at the end of the Bob Dylan, the Martin Scorsese directed Mar- Bob Dylan documentary.
1: Wow. Dirk and Natasha Ziff. They probably were at some cocktail party and Marty's like, Hey, I could use a hundred grand to finish this bad boy. And they're like, no problem. Mix me another cocktail.
0: He just pulls out a lot of cash from his wallet. I
1: mean, Here you go, the- Marty. Who knows how that goes down, right? Like, like that's kind of got to go down like that.
0: Don't you think? I mean, it, I don't know what they could possibly be thanking him for, other than
1: a help, yeah, help. an invest,
0: an investment, or maybe he owns, you know, um, licensing to some footage or a music or the music or something like that. Maybe, yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? Tip of the cap to Dirk and Natasha.
1: I love that film, and I love that they're helping, uh, you know, creators of great content get their product to the finish line. And um, I say good on them. I love that. Thank you, Dirk, Dirk and Natasha.
0: They're omnipresent, sure they're. though. The The omnipresence yeah. Yeah. is a little bit
1: uh, is a little bit troubling. Yeah. They're moving the chess pieces around the board. You know what I'm saying? They're
0: like, you know how we can influence Scott and David over in this other realm that they don't even see coming. Right. Um. Anyways, you said that you're you've been better when we first got on. Is there anything oh, yeah. going on that you want to so, talk about?
1: I did have my second shingle shot, David, which is something that as you get older, you'll have to deal with perhaps. And um, it kind of brings you down a little bit, kind of like you got the flu. And I I went to the skin cancer lady yesterday, my doctor, and she has me putting on this ointment, which is chemotherapy for skin cancer. I have skin cancer, but it's I mean, it's not it's just like, you know, it's minor and you probably do too. You just don't know. It. Everyone's got it on some level. I've, got, anyway. I've gotten
0: stuff cut out.
1: Oh, you had the moes surgery.
0: I've had that a couple of times. Yeah.
1: So I went in for that yesterday and okay. she was like, look, this is so topical and so much on the epidermal side of this thing's not down deep in your dermis from what I can mm-hmm. tell. Instead of getting cut on, if it was me, Scott, I would do this. And so she suggested this, topical ointment that i have to put on my face for a month straight which is chemotherapy which burns away the the uh, skin cancer cells so i got that on my face and i cut my tongue really bad yesterday so i got three i'm so soft i'm just like
0: (laughs) would you cut your tongue uh, on a sharp uh, crust of
1: sourdough (laughs) No, but i was chewing sourdough at the time no my own friggin uber sharp
0: razor like teeth you bit it i'm blaming my ancestors Dude, that is the worst biting your lip or your tongue is the freaking worst it is it's man, sorry good. to hear it anyway uh, those are well, my three old this,
1: man ailments i what are you we, we're pouring we the crap out of our listeners right now fast
0: forward Brit, brit's coming to save us um we can uh use the skin Cancer thing is a PSA for people. Here's the deal: not only should you be wearing sunblock um, UVA, UVB, with no benzo anything, I think is what you want to look for. Use like a mineral-based sunblock. In addition to that, preventative maintenance is the foil, and uh, you'll you still might get skin cancer, but you don't have to die of skin cancer. Skin cancer dying from skin cancer is preventable, and it is preventable via uh, right preventative maintenance, regular yeah, right, checkups. Yeah. 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 So Get a that's full the
1: body, PSA full body scan. I do that at least twice, probably four times a year.
0: Yeah. Um, well to kind of tee up Britt calling in in four minutes from now, Oh, okay. Um, Jack Robinson, we kind of, we've talked about episodes one, two, and three. There was 14 surfboards. The four that ended up in the final in episode four were the map by the James Chiel, known Mm -hmm. as Chili, Mm -hmm. the Pukas brand, shaped by Axel Lorenz, and then also the aforementioned Britt Merrick, Channel Islands label. Um, The waves were considerably better for episode four. Do you, I mean, we'll probably talk about, obviously, Britt's board with him. Did you have anything to say about the other boards? Um, you know, my, my gut feeling is
1: that the four boards, first of all, I was glad that they brought the Glenn Pang back to the equation to let Kolohe give that board a run. And, um, and the other boards, here's what I have to say, is that to me, I can't remember how clear, that it's ever been this clear, how much better the Channel Islands board looked under Jack's feet. To me, personally, that was just me. And um, that was one
0: of my questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just stood out. It just stood out. The speed, the everything about it just looked it just looked like a magic carpet. Like it was going where everywhere Jack wanted it to go. It was keeping its rail through these really long, extended turns, through the, you know, the entire arc of the turn was just and and then it was just right back into another one. It just looked extremely buttery and fast and fluid and went anywhere that Jack wanted it to go.
0: Smooth in transition is the first thing that I noticed from the first wave. And then I was like, okay, let me see how that plays out on other waves. If that's actually kind of a continuous thing. And it was, that was a common denominator in that board sparky, but then super smooth in transition. So he would just, lean into a bottom turn and it would just drive him all the way through into that big front side gouge that you're talking about. That was different than he was doing on any other board. Mm -hmm. And then he would transition that into a bottom turn and one solid motion all the way into the next turn. Um, We'll discuss it right now with the shaper himself.
1: Yeah. I'm super intrigued uh, by what's behind Brit.
0: All of the Scott, books, identify them.
1: <laughs> identify
0: huh? those three albums by their put it, image. Put them on.
1: Put them on my big screen. Can you do that, for, or do I do that?
0: Brit, Brit has to talk in order for it to pop up on
2: our uh, screen. Yeah. What are those three albums there, Scott? You'll know all those. Oh
1: my God, this is so wrong. Uh, one looks like a dead, like a grateful, like a Jerry Garcia. Is that Jerry Garcia? That's a
2: Jerry Garcia live album.
1: And then that one is well. I mean, it says who it is, right? Is that Merle Haggard?
2: Yeah, dude.
1: Hell yes. And Jimmy Merle's
2: my, Merle's my man.
1: I love Merle Haggard,
2: dude. Merle's
0: three live. for three.
2: three, three is for it, three,
1: Scott? What is it like Oga Skokie? What's that song like? The Okie
2: from Muskoke. Yeah,
1: Okie from Muskokie, All right.
2: <laughs> I apologize for not getting. It. Uh, Britt, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, Scott. Right on, guys.
0: Thanks for having mm-hmm. me. Huge congratulations congratulations Britt. very well deserved
2: oh thanks man i don't know about deserved but um i'm very oh, man i'm so stoked yeah i'm grateful well, well scott
0: yeah. was scott was just saying that well you tell him scott it was, was the first time yeah just so the
1: first of all you uh well deserved and um and and yeah congratulations the um my vibe on it on the last episode was it was Never has it been so clear that the board, the winning board was was just faster, smoother, held its rail through the entire turns that Jack was doing and then immediately had speed. It looked like a magic carpet. You know, it was one of those boards where, of course, me being a board freak, I was like, oh, my God, I need I would like to get one of those. You know, Although I, I know I couldn't ride it. Anyway, the board looked great. What were your thoughts on when you watched the footage? of jack on the board did you have the sense that oh man this thing looks sparky uh
2: yeah you know in the last one in the final i did in one before i don't know if stab was just sandbagging or what but he looked pretty bad on it in the the episode before uh but his narrative was like he didn't like it to start with and then he liked it later on so maybe they were just trying to match the narrative and showing the bad ways i'm sure he got bad ways on every board i'm sure there was a bit of a learning curve but it was it was kind of a shocker in that third episode those first few waves like he fell a bunch of waves in a row and I was like oh man it doesn't look good and then I was actually surprised that it went on but then in the last episode yeah I think those first few little waves that they showed him on when they were showing all four boards it looked like it was clicking it looked it looked pretty good.
0: I yeah. felt like the other boards not all of them but some of them it looks like it he's kind of stymied by some of the boards like i think of jack we know he's a wizard right yeah, and it's yeah. like his wand just didn't have the magic coming out of it and then when he in the final episode certainly once he got on the ci it was like the wand had that zap and he'd go do one of those big front side gouges and the board actually uh it, it was a bigger gouge than he expected and he was kind of like looking back at the turn going oh I guess I can apply my full magic to this board. And then the next wave, he does another one. And those big front side hooks were like something that we did not see on any other board and that he felt like he could add more muscle to. And the board will actually level up to his level of wizardry, you know?
2: Yeah. It looked like he could push it, but you know, in the final four, they all looked pretty good. I mean, he was ripping on all of them at that point. I think all the boards are are great, you know, and any one of them could have won. But yeah, he, he, I, I think he looked good on all of them. I, it, it could have gone any way really.
1: Yeah. You bring up a great point, Brad. I mean, I mean, we're dealing with, you know, the top shapers in the world, at least for high performance shortboards. And, you know, it, at, at some point you're kind of, you know, just grasping at straws cause he's ripping on everything. And, and, and a lot of it could just be to do with the waves that he caught or how he's feeling or, you know, did he get enough coffee that morning? Who knows, you know, like what, what makes the, what makes the difference between, especially the last two boards, which he was kind of saying, well, it's kind of a toss up. I don't know. You know, and then, yeah. And then he picked one. How do you find out about uh, winning, uh, being a winning shaper? What was that like?
2: I didn't find out until the event uh, down in Encinitas at the La Paloma theater. So, you know, the, there were rumors flying around everyone hears rumors and, You can't believe what you hear, probably especially around stab stuff. So um, we, like, I was hoping, I was kind of excited, yeah. um, But it wasn't sure, and so found out live at the moment, which was really, really fun. Man, that image,
0: that image that they got of you that they posted on the article where it's like in the moment is so epic. (laughs) You look so psyched. I was pretty psyched, man. Um,
2: (laughs) I was pretty stoked. It was funny because he was going back and forth uh between my board and the biolus and biolus was sitting just to my right a few seats away and so that was a pretty like intense moment when jack was like uh this one that one this one i'm trying not to look at biolus i'm like "Uh."
0: (laughs) does does matt biolus's recent makeover make you want to update and spruce up your look brit Ooh, uh probably the opposite (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking you can add some salt and pepper. You can like dye the beard, maybe hip uh, frames, tinted lenses. No,
2: man, I'm pretty happy with my grungy country look.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> in regard to the fine kind of detailed differences between those boards. Would you be able to pick out whose board is whose blindly like Jack did in episode one?
2: I, I'd be able to pick every single board. No way. For Sure. Wow. really that's yeah it's it's not it's not it's really not hard I mean all the guys have their little um nuances their little idiosyncrasies the way they finish the nose the feel on the rail the way they finish the tail um even some of the glass job stuff like if you're around the world tour a bit and you see those boards on the regular it's really it's really not hard I, I I'm surprised when the guys don't get more of them
0: wow think okay that blows pretty- my mind
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's real. I think, David, if you like just went to a couple contests and, you know, went in the locker room and looked at all those boards a few times, you'd see like, oh, okay, this nose is like that and this tail is like that. And I think you'd be able to pick them all out, too.
0: I guess that's where I was confused by was that you'd have that much exposure to that many to 14 different boards, you know, but you're right. The world tour is where you would do it.
2: Yeah, all those guys are looking at each other's boards all the time. For yeah, sure, that makes know, sense. Every, everybody knows. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Um, uh, so yeah, go ahead. Tell us about the winning board. What board was it? What's the model? And tell us about the design.
2: Yeah, so for the last year, I've been working with Parker Coffin on that one. And he'd been riding the two happy and just really wanted to sort of elevate it. You know, the happy is kind of like an every guy shortboard, the two happy is. And so Parker was looking to push the performance a bit. And what he was talking about were, uh, quicker transitions off the bottom, up the face, and then to your you know heel side out of the hook like that and, and tight, pockety, cuppy waves. So it was really an issue of creating a fresh bend in the rocker. So the, the two happy is pretty similar to a lot of CIs and that between your feet, it's got a relative straight spot in the rocker, which we kind of call the engine of the board. And then the rocker breaks around where the bump in the outline is. The rocker breaks at that same place. I think the ultimate sort of expression of that for CI is the OG flyer. It's got that three-stage rocker, like a really clear entry, engine through the middle, and then good break at the hip. That's a, a pretty typical CI thing. Some of our boards have more of a continuous curve, like the Proton was more of a continuous curve. So with this one, we're going more for a continuous curve. And we kind of took out that flat spot and made that whole area bend between your feet. Because Parker really wanted to feel like he was pivoting from, <clears throat> excuse me, from the middle of the board right there. So we just created a new rocker curve, really bendy between the feet, but a long, slow curve out the back that I think lends itself to projection. So you've got like immediate pivot, you know, and swivel from the hips and your feet and then projection out of the back. And then also it's got pretty low concave for a modern short shortboard. And the idea of that is just sitting in the water in a connected feeling. Um, you know, for normal guys like us, we probably want a little more concave and a little more of that like on top of the water get up and go feeling. But these guys are surfing good waves quite a bit where you don't need so much of that. You just need to harness the power more. So when a board sits in the water and has that more connected feel, lends itself to more high performance. Uh, we added curve to the outline so really the goal was like this is the most high performance board that I know how to make and, and Parker was really helpful in that and we have a good working relationship he, he pushes me a lot and you should see this guy dude. he like he'll get a batch of boards go ride it for a while, and then he comes back into my shaping room with all the boards. And with a binder full of notes on every single board, he's got drawings of the rockers, he's got drawings of the rail shape at different points of the board. Um, He's got just pages and pages of notes on every single board. And then he's got footage, he's got clips on his computer that match all that. So he'll grab a board and put on my rack and he'll go, here's what I was feeling on this one. And he'll open up his notes and he'll go, gosh, I think the rail right in front of the fins is like this, but maybe we could do this and that would create that. Let me show you what I mean. And then he'll put a clip on and he'll show me what he means. And it's just been pretty cool working with him. He's a really, really sort of board savvy kid. So that was our project together.
1: Wow, that's that's really insightful and um, makes me want to interview Parker. It sounds like he's you should. He's looking for a job when he gets out of the tour or whatever. <laughs> he might be our next shaper. He's got one, man. He's got one for sure. Let me ask you He's... this, Britt. How does a, um, how does stab in the dark, like for instance, I watch the, you know, I watched the event of course. And, um, and I see, uh, Jack absolutely killing it. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I would like to surf like that. I would like that board, you know? Um, but of course I'm a middle-aged guy. I'm, I'm actually probably older than middle-aged, um, how does stab in the dark translate for somebody like me? Like, does, does, does that work for you guys? Like, like I can't ride 26 liters of volume. Like if I come to you or you're like, dude, sorry, that's like, you know, like basically I would come yeah. to you, and I'd go, I'd like a board like that, but yeah. I'm 56 years old. What do you yeah. say?
2: Well, <clears throat> I'll kind of, I'll kind of address the first part. You know, when you're doing the super high performance stuff, it really bleeds into everything else that you're doing because that's where you learn about all the nuances that really, really make a good board. That's where you learn about how the tuck, you know, coming from just in front of the fins through the area of the fins is the most efficient and has the most hold. You know, that's where you learn a lot about fin placement and all those nuances, concaves, like all the stuff that I've been learning in that board, all of that translates to other boards. So I, I feel like From working on this board for the last year with Parker, all my other boards for team and normal people have gotten better because I've learned a bunch of nuances, changed the ways that I approach the tuck and the rails and even the way that I pull my screen the direction and a bunch of different things so there's a trickle down effect you know it's kind of like if a a car company is working on a Formula One car, they're going to learn things there that are going to trickle down to production cars, eventually. The second part of your question is, if you came to me and you're like, Britt, I want this board exactly, what would you do for me? You know, I think a lot of that is a function of rocker. And that's a super, super highly rockered board. And so that kind of board requires a lot of interaction to keep going, right? And I think what guys like you and I want is we want to stand up on a board and just feel some immediate, like get up and go and positivity. And then we want to be able to redirect when we're ready. We're not ready for a little bit. We stand up, we're (laughs) getting adjusted, you know, and, oh man, my foot stuck. I moved my foot back and, oh, my back hurts. Okay. Now I'm ready to do a little turn. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of board, like the CI pro requires a bit more like intermediate or immediate reaction. So what I would do for someone like you is I would just lay that rocker down a bit. Because I believe that a good rocker curve is a good rocker curve, period, right? A good rocker curve is a function of how the water goes from the front of the board to the back of the board. It's an issue of hydrodynamics. So a good rocker curve is a good rocker curve is a good rocker curve. Now I can relax that curve a little bit, just take a little bit of the extreme out of it, settle it a bit, um, lift the concaves or increase the concaves a bit for a little more get up and go. Uh, I would widen the tail you know, Mm -hmm. because we don't really use the tail the same way that guys like that would. So there's little things like that, where you could still fully have the essence of that board, but you could kind of everyman it a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. How much does a win at stab in the dark affect your business?
2: Uh, I don't have empirical data on that. I mean, we had kind of, you know, there, there were rumors that we had done well. And so, we rallied, rallied, excuse me, as a team to be ready to have that board available that night. So we, you know, built out the web page on our website and got some of the assets ready. And I let the guys know like, Hey man, who knows, but if we win, just press go live and let's make it available. So, you know, by the time we, we, we press go live, as soon as we heard we won, by the time we left hundreds of people had gone to that web page on our website and viewed the board Wow. And at least learned about it, you know, we've sold some. Um, and, you know, I think the, the board will do well. It's available for custom order now. But for me, it's more of just a um, sort of just like a, a street cred vibe ethos thing. You know, it just says, look, we're, we're in that realm. We're working hard in that realm. Uh, we want to advance in the area of performance surfboards. And we're in the game. We're in the conversation. So I I think it has a a trickle down effect in that way. And then, you know, like the, the last one, the Taj stab in the dark, we got second in that one. And that was with the happy every day, which is a board we more recently launched and that board's going bonkers. It's doing really, really well. So it's gotta, it's gotta have an effect.
0: Um, Jack famously rides a variety of surfboards rather than just working with one specific shaper for his career. Is that good or bad for his world title? hopes?
2: Yeah, you know, I I've heard you guys talk about that quite a bit and you know, even name names like guys that worked with one shaper and the success they had and then guys that bounced around and how they never maybe got a title and stuff like that. Um I'm not sure in the long term. I, I think it's been good for Jack. I think he's progressed a lot the last couple of years. Um and you know, Sean Thompson used to say, don't ever ride for a board company. Be free to ride. What's going to work best for you in the moment. And a lot of guys practice that. Like, you know, I, I was at the pipe contest this year, and the overwhelming majority of people were on Takoros, you know, Tacoros like the board at, at pipeline. There was no doubt about it. You go to Sunset and there are a whole lot of pangs, you know. And so I think guys are already tuned into that to a certain degree, but I do really believe in the shaper surfer relationship. I think it's fruitful. I think it benefits both parties. I think you can move the ball down the field more quickly. And I think it has to come. I think it does come down to maybe the surfers aptitude. There's certain surfers that just don't want to work on boards. They just say, "I, I don't, I don't care. Just give me what's going to work. And those might be guys who are just like, any board, any manufacturer, just give it to me and I'll go. Whereas someone that really wants to drill down on their equipment and, excuse me, advance, move the ball forward in the nuances, make it incrementally better, build that trust. They might be more inclined to work with one shaper.
0: The way that you described your rapport with Parker coffin is a great example of how that relationship, um, yields fruit you know like because you guys are so comfortable with each other from working together for years you're making these leaps and bounds with kind of subtle adjustments but it seems like jack has that relationship with Arakawa, but also maybe with marcio Zuvi, and maybe with a couple of different guys um so yeah i guess you're right it's more about communication from the surfer than anything else are you going to be building boards for jack henceforth
2: Uh, He just ordered a batch for Australia. So that's cool. You know, he's ridden a few of our boards over the last couple of years. I've made him quite a few and um, it's cool that he ordered, you know, a batch. He said, I want them exactly like that stab one. So just made him some uh, last week and they're in Australia now. Yeah. So he's got those. We'll see how they go. I mean, Jack is one of my favorite surfers in the world. Watching Jack surf is just unreal i love his approach i love his vibe i really really enjoy jack as a person he's just like the most humble down to earth unassuming sweet guy he's that just kind of guy you want to like be in the presence of um not because he's like a big deal but he's just got like a sweetness to him so uh yeah i hope he enjoys the boards he mentioned
1: in the in the uh episode that that he had ordered some boards and that he was going to use them at some CT spot in the future. And he was kind of cloudy about it and secretive a little bit. And I immediately went, you know what? He's going to ride those boards at J Bay. Obviously, it sounds like he's going to ride them, I'm guessing, at Margaret's. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on where those boards end up under his feet?
2: Yeah, I don't know. He requested them for Australia specifically. So um I had, you know, Bells and, and Margarets in mind. But if they're good boards, I'm sure he'll keep traveling with them and they'll you know, have some legs. We'll see where they end up, but yeah, I can see it being a good board at J Bay for sure.
1: I've got a question about um, the competition itself, stab in the dark. You know, they've done a great job. We love what they're doing there. I think everybody in the surf culture appreciates what they're doing. And, um, you may have heard us discuss a, uh, maybe a new competitive format where what we have now, Britt, is we have you, you're a two-time winner. I believe, I know Pizel's won at least twice, maybe more twice. And, and then I think Matt. Has Matt won twice? No. How many two-time winners are there? Do you know?
2: Uh, just uh, us and Paisel.
1: Okay, so I thought it would be really neat if we did a competition format or STAB did where they just take you and Paisel. They don't tell the surfer this. You guys make six boards each. And the surfer goes. He thinks that there's 12 different shapers involved and he gets to go and pick them all out and do the whole thing. And at no point does he realize that it's just like... Uh, a tournament of champions
2: so mm. to speak
1: and you know they're always looking for ways to evolve this and make it fun and different and i i thought that would be an interesting thing what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah that'd be fun that'd be super fun i mean i think the surfer would know right away like i said they're, they're pretty savvy he would know man these are not 12 different boards <laughs> these are all <laughs> i i think the surfer would go right away oh these are paizels and merrick's but still that's fine like i think that'd be fun yeah we each have two wins let's let's do a showdown although i think we have a second so maybe we edged him out of it <laughs>
0: um not to be <laughs> who's counting man. who's yeah, counting exactly not uh me. well how how could they improve the concept for the shaper in your opinion Brett i'm sure you've got ideas
2: oh uh improve the concept for the shaper uh, uh, gosh man i'm not sure honestly um you know i think it's a cool format i think it's a cool idea uh i i i don't know how they can make it better for us you know when it, i always get nervous when the request for the boards comes in i'm like oh my gosh this thing is you know pressure and then i make the boards and i'm stressing while i'm doing it and then i just try to forget about it because it takes steps so long to complete the project i mean i shaped those boards in october Right. And here we are in March talking about yeah. it. So I, I've just got to shape them and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as it's done, the request comes in for more. I don't know how they can make it better for us. Okay. David, David
1: and I have often talked about, you know, who should be the next surfer. Like, what's a, a, And it comes down to really a guy that can communicate effectively. And of course, David and I are like, you know, the best communicator, in our opinion, one of them is Kelly how great would it be if Kelly was one of the guys that the next guy that stabbed chose, don't you think he would be a a, a fabulous communicator of what he's feeling under his feet?
2: Yeah. Nobody in the world is better uh, with surfboards and Kelly for sure. Um, But he owns a surfboard company. So I I don't, I don't think they'd go for it.
1: That's what makes it so great. I mean, that's what validates (laughs) the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, now well, we're then how, truly being objective here.
0: Well, along those lines, how would you feel if Parker got the invite? It sounds like he'd be a phenomenal candidate. Oh, gosh, Parker
2: would be really good. Oh, we, you know, man, I mean, it, it sucks. Like, you know, Dane did it twice. You know, Jordy did it when he was riding for us. And so you might remember, like when Dane did it, I, I just shaped him a Bonzer, you know.
0: Yeah, I did.
2: Just knowing that it, it wasn't going to win—not to be disparaging of Bonzers, they're amazing—but just knowing in that realm and who Dane was, because if it's your surfer, you can't win. If he yeah. chooses your board, everyone's like, "Well, of course he chose your board. You work with him all the time." If he doesn't choose your board, they're like, "Oh man, you really suck. He doesn't actually like your board." So when it's your surfer, you can't win. So I, I hope it's never our surfer again. But yeah, Parker would be a good one. Gosh, darn it. It's Which like, a, like Kelly
1: would be so great, right? Because yeah. Kelly owns a surfboard. He can't win on his boards.
0: Yeah. Um, the, in episode four, Britt, they filmed your interview. Was that in your garage? Yes. You need to update your quiver. <laughs> <laughs> you got some beaters in there and like super chippy boards. And I'm like, I don't know if Britt's riding those things.
2: No, man. So those are ones I'm holding on to. Those were like some of the last ones my dad made me and stuff like that. And special boards and magic boards. They're toward the back of the garage. So the front is the current quiver. So that was the back corner. And then what, I do, you about, ride?
1: what do you ride? Right? What's your, what's your go-to board?
2: Uh, I ride six twos generally 39 to 40 liters. I'm six, six and 2,000 pounds or something so <laughs> pure um, elk meat <laughs> yeah pure elk meat muscle um I ride the the too happy is my short board and then my more everyday short board is a happy every day and then I ride the twin pin a lot the last few years has been a real love affair with twin fins probably 90% of the time of the last actually probably 90% of the time in the last four years I've been on twin fins <gasps> mostly the that's awesome pin. yeah
0: um did you notice both in the audio for the series and in the text that they're referring to the channel islands logo as a three chevron logo rather than I three hex dude what where's that come from do you want to tell them <laughs> or should i dude
2: you tell him, man.
0: Okay, I will. <laughs> the, first, the first time it slipped through, I'm like, man, Ashton got it wrong. He doesn't know what a Chevron is. Maybe he just misspoke, <laughs> but now it's in text. And I'm like, no way. How are they getting away with this?
2: was oh, so oh. funny. It's, I mean, it's been called a hex for thousands of years.
0: <laughs> I mean, the Chevron, there's a gas company. I yeah. see that logo all the time. Yeah. That's a Chevron. How do you yeah. not know what a Chevron is?
2: It's pretty classic, man.
0: All right, I'll tell him. <laughs> um, all right, we'll do. Um, Scott, do you have any more questions before we dispatch? Uh, just, just one
1: quick kind of operations question. When you build the board for these guys, did they, especially this episode, did they have you put the color on the nose, or do you ship them clear board, a clear board?
2: Yeah, the ask is to ship them clear boards with no um, designations or defining features at all. So there can't be any writing on it. There can't be like any proprietary carbon, any of that stuff. They want it to be as anonymous as possible. So they pick the colors. And man, I hated the color we got. That like forest green, that was just like the most bland. As soon as I saw those on episode one, I was like, oh, we suck. We lost for sure that was the worst color
0: um i realized i didn't hit one of my questions um have you ever had fewer ct rider on the riders on the men's side than in 2022 uh
2: yeah last year (laughs)
0: who do you who do you got currently jackson baker
2: jackson baker nat young and joao Chianka.
0: okay yeah okay Way to bring it down, um,
1: David. Why'd you have to ask that question?
0: <laughs> what a jerk! No, well, because, well, there's a very specific reason why. Okay. Um, how expand upon your mixed feelings for Devin Howard banging the mid-length drum? I feel like this, when at stab in the dark, is a pivot, a hard pivot back into the Formula One style aboard.
2: Oh man, I'm not taking that bait. Come on, Devin's buddy. My, Devin's my bro, dude. I'm sure it's I'll great answer, for business. Let me, let me but... answer that.
1: I'll answer that for you. <laughs> oh, shoot. Here's David, I can't
2: believe you're serving that up, bro. <laughs> Here,
1: here's the deal. Okay. Channel Islands caters to all surfers. All right. We have boards for the high performance guy, we have boards for Scott and David and Devin. We have boards for guys that want to cruise along boards. We're a surfboard company. We make it all and we make it all excellent
0: you going for was looking good. for a job, Scott? Jeez yeah, Louise. Scott.
2: Scott is hired. But no, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to that for a minute. We, you know, our goal is to make um, every surfer happy. So that, that can't just be a high tier performance thing. And it can't just be sort of a like, you know, everyday thing. We really want to build boards for every single surfer. I mean, I believe that people experience moments of joy on surfboards that are life changing. You know, I, we, we can all remember like our first ride or our first barrel or first surf trip or first great turn that, that moment that really hooked us and like redirected the course of our lives. And there's very few things in the world that can bring the sort of joy that surfing does. So to me, it's really meaningful to create the crafts on which that joy is experienced. You know, people, people, People's lives are changed by surfing. So to put those surfboards under their feet is really meaningful. And I think, it, I think it makes humanity better. I think surfing makes people better. I think the experience makes for a more beautiful world. So I want as many people as possible to surf and have good experiences surfing and to enjoy equipment. You know, we believe in craftsmanship. You know, I think that surfers should build surfboards. I don't think that it should be any other way. I think that vibes matter, that beauty matters. Um, And so, you know, we just want to, with our hands, make these things that bring real moments and lifetimes of joy to people. So that's broad, as Scott was saying, that's for a whole lot of different people. And, you know, as far as like the CT and that high performance realm, we've been a company in transition for a while. You know, when Burton bought us, my dad retired and um, I was out of the out of the scene at that point I didn't shape a single surfboard I did not touch a piece of foam for 10 years so I was you know fully removed from that my dad retires and you know imagine being Channel Islands built on Al Merrick and figuring out how to carry on that's a difficult transition and then right about that same time um, when I came back a few years after my dad retired I came back is when Kelly left, you know, and then suddenly Kelly has his own surfboard company and Rob goes with him. And imagine being Channel Island surfboards that to a large degree was built on Al Merrick and Kelly, and now they're both gone. So we've been a company in transition for a few years now. And so we're just, you know, kind of rebuilding. We're a team that's rebuilding and we're rebuilding that part of the team. And as Scott said, we're trying to be super broad, deep and broad and meet the needs of a, lot of a lot of different surfers. So we're just working really hard at that. And, you know, we got some some ways to go yet, but we're optimistic.
0: I, um, I heard you talking, it might've been in the stab piece actually about your love for shaping high-performance surfboards, kind of saying that the bigger the board gets, you can kind of, there's a lot of accommodation for error or whatever, and they're just easier to shape. And so your love for shaping high-performance boards so that's what I was meaning to tee up with my question. I didn't mean to take a dig at you, Britt. <laughs> no,
2: I didn't think you did too. We're so good. I love you, man. I know we're good. I didn't think it was a dig. I do though. That's, you know, sh- I shape all kinds of different boards. I spent so much time the last few years working on twin fins and alternate designs and stuff like that, but nothing keeps me up or wakes me up in the middle of the night, like a high performance shortboard. Yeah. When I think, when I dream, when I ponder, when I, um, When I'm angsty, it's about rockers on high-performance shortboards. And that's the hardest thing to do by far. That's the most difficult thing to do because those are the athletes that are the most demanding. And because the volumes are so small, the consequences are so great. You know, a, a, a 16th of an inch on a fin, a half a degree of splay on the fin, the tiniest bit of tuck here, the tiniest bit of flip out the tail. The consequences are so great because the volumes are so low and the demand for performance is so high. So that's the hardest thing to do. And as a craftsman, that's what excites me most. And that's what gets me in there every single day is doing the hardest thing.
0: Well, I really do think. Part I've said this to you last time we talked. Um, Parker Coffin is your hidden little secret ingredient because he is the most underrated surfer in the world. And I think yeah. I think snapped four obviously shined a light on him to show a lot of his talent. But even still, he flies under the radar. And so to hear that he's actually able to communicate as well as surf and as incredibly as he does, I think is like a that's huge
2: yeah yeah he's he's phenomenal I, I do think he's underrated if you just watch just watch him surf you're like he's it's he's, he's as good as anybody he's unreal. his
0: speed his agility like it's crazy and then also congrats on lakey's return to form too on the women's side
2: yeah thanks so stoked for lakes man she's one of my favorite people in the world and you know she had a, a rough couple of years <clears throat> some seconds and then that back injury and she's feeling really good I think she's surfing better than ever she's been working on boards over the last year with me and uh the boards seem better than ever and she's she's on fire she's hungry for it
0: who is she what board was she riding in Portugal what model uh she rides a variation
2: on the rook and she's uh, okay. also been been riding the ci pro um but she's been, you know, we just been sort of tweaking her rooks for years for Lakey. She really wants that super consistent feel. So I try to get her off that and give her new stuff all the time, but she's, she's addicted to that thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, final question before we leave you, um, pick a side, Joel Tudor. Or the WSL? Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer.
2: <laughs> I'll answer for him. No. I'm yeah, going to yeah, make Scott, hey, make my make Scott guy, answer. My PR guy. Go, Scott. Go.
1: I'm just kidding. We're, I think we're going to be talking about that here in a minute. And I don't want to yeah. bore you. with. But, that. but I do want to say this. Thanks for being on the show, Britt. And um, blessings to you and the CI crew. And I'm going to go download that um, Merle Haggard album.
2: <laughs> oh dude that's a good one the okay. first track dude the first track all right buddy hey oh, thanks bye. guys i really appreciate you having me on I really appreciate both you guys i love listening to uh you guys talk about surfing and surfboards i appreciate your knowledge base and um you you guys have been kind to me and channel Island. so thanks so much
0: love you guys wish nothing but the best yeah thanks brothers all right. thanks all right talk soon right, bye. See ya. Right. how good is he that was great can we take a quick break free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
1: yeah Britt merrick enjoy talking to him all the time super knowledgeable
0: yeah uh salt of the earth right there you know one final note as a um pat on the back for stab magazine for episode four, I thought that biographical recap of Jack Robinson kind of at the beginning of the episode was excellent. Um, There's- I totally agree with you. It was, and like, I know all that stuff about Jack. I guess where I saw where I thought it was excellent was there's a lot of stuff that happens or that we talk about in the surf quote industry kind of um, not publicly. And with Jack specifically, it's about his relationship with his dad. Sometimes it's about who somebody's dating. Sometimes it's about coaches. And they did a great job of addressing all of it without sensationalizing any of it. They very kind of um, tactfully explained. I think the quote was Jack's shifting dynamic with his father, you know, was Ashton's quote. And that said enough. And then talking about how he met his girlfriend, talking about how he met Leandro, uh, Dora. So all of that, I just thought was really insightful, tastefully done, but didn't shy away from some of the controversy.
1: Totally agree. Tip of the cap to uh, Ashton and the writers there. That was
0: well done. Awesome. Um, Any final thoughts on Stab or should we move on to Joel Tudor? Uh, Let's move on. Joel versus the WSL. So Joel versus the WSL, this was almost a non-story the last couple of weeks. We just kind of talked about it in kind of a, oh, look at this gossip. Well, it's become a story. Last week, the WSL suspended their current world longboard champion, three-time longboard champion, for basically defamation of the brand is what they stated it was, for his views, for him going to social media and talking about their feigned Alleged allegedly feigned equality because they don't give equal shake to the longboarders. Thoughts on this? Um, I, okay, so my thoughts are...
1: Do you know how long Joel was suspended, by the way? Is it like indefinite or forever?
0: <laughs> so, yes, it is indefinite. And the rumors that I know or have heard is that they're actually waiting for Joel's retort mm-hmm. to then dictate how long the suspension will be.
1: Well, that's pretty smart. And that kind of speaks to my feelings on this. Uh, I think we all agree that the issues that Joel is bringing up are important. And, and in many instances are, are valid. Like some, most of the stuff he's saying should be discussed. And quite frankly, maybe is being discussed. The problem with this situation is Joel's lack of tact. And we don't know if maybe Joel initially did send a private email or a phone call to Jesse or to Eric Logan or to Devin or to whoever and say, hey, here's some things I want to talk about. Do you, you know, do you have time to have a cup of coffee about this and see if we can't move the ball forward? Uh, we don't know if that occurred. What we do know is that Joel's pretty pronounced on social media He he never shies away from just kind of like riffing off the cuff um, the way he's feeling from his heart right away without maybe filtering it or, or using some discernment regarding how it's going to uh, be put out into the public sphere. And that's really, and I, and I don't think Joel gives a crap like that and that's, but the issue is if Joel's really trying to move these things forward did this help or hurt and um, i think more will be revealed i don't think we know i mean it could be in two months where like joel was brilliant he you know he he shook and rattled the cage and look changes are being made or you know it didn't work out and this whole thing died down and no one's talking about it and it is what it is
0: an argument can be made that the subtle um, asking for equality has been attempted for years and years on end. And they made that progress, you know, like the tour got bumped from one stop to three, but now it was being taken down from three to one, which was the impetus for Joel to do these posts originally. Mm -hmm. Um, My question to you is what's the real reason that they suspended Joel? Because Joel was haranguing them on social media repeatedly, post after post after post. It wasn't until Joel made a comment about Jesse Miley Dyer's alleged relationship with one of the female competitors that they then canceled him. And so, while that is salacious and controversial, there's no rule that he's not allowed to do that. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of pinning this suspension on him violating a rule in the rule book, which is, disparaging well, the brand well, but they're well, not that's not the reason that it seems that's the timing doesn't indicate that that's the reason that they suspended it
1: yeah i look it's generally accepted and known. no matter what sports league you're in you know don't bite the hand that's feeding you you know um and i mean at some point if you have valid concerns about the format of events or The way that events are being run or the equality or or lack of equity is actually a better way to phrase it, uh, is is being handled. Um, You know, that's one thing. But when you cross that line and start to get personal with people that are involved in all of this, that's just kind of sophomoric. And, um, you know, in my opinion, it's it just lacks class.
0: Yeah, but that's not suspendable. You know what I mean?
1: I, I I think that at some point, I agree with you. You have to throw class. your hand. You have to throw your hands in the air and go, this guy's against us. Yeah. And, but again, we don't know if Joel already attempted back channeling to to to, to uh, get some of these issues um, resolved or get some conversation about these issues going. We don't know that. But what we do know is that. You know, and Joel's a friend of mine and I've known him for 40 years or whatever and but we we all know that joel throws stuff out there sort of haphazardly or maybe not haphazardly i'm sure he's thought it well thought it out but he you know it's it's really kind of comes off the. it seems like it comes off the cuff and uh you know if in fact he didn't do any back channeling and he's just like here's what i think blah 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 and oh by the way she's dating this person and that's late like it's kind of i don't know it just, well, he wasn't.
0: He, I don't he even wasn't know saying what that. I don't he wasn't know saying that that was lame. He was saying that that's affected some of the decisions and policies that they've made. Like the reason why Moana wasn't invited to Portugal mm-hmm. was to clear the way for another competitive surfer who happens to have a relationship with a per, very personal relationship with the SVP of Tours and Commission, Commissioner. Is,
1: you know who? Who? Which two have relationships?
0: Well, so he didn't say, and he referred to it as allegedly, I believe, but the rumor was in the comments beyond what he wrote was Tyler Wright, because Jesse and Tyler have posted about each other in social media for the past year, you know, so it's all alleged and it's all innuendo, Um, and I agree with you Joel it's a bad look for Joel. He shouldn't be bringing that up because it has, well, I guess, but Joel's point was it does have to do with something. This does show a certain favoritism. Uh, And when they called off the event at pipe, the women didn't run the day that it was flawless and big and, you know, perfect. Tyler was the one that didn't want to run the event. Moana was willing to go out. The other women were willing to go out. Why does Tyler get more say than anybody else? So that's the kind of stuff that Joel is miffed about, but and
1: understandably so. I, I, I think that, you know, that stuff's wrong. I'm just saying the way that he did it is where I have. I think that so, if he really wants to be effective, there's probably a more effective way. But again, we don't know. Let's see how this yeah. plays out. Maybe this was very effective. Maybe. Me, I mean, you and I are talking about it right now. So maybe
0: it's extremely effective. Let me ask you this. Do you think Joel has a lawsuit? Against him? Against the WSL.
1: You mean the WSL suing
0: Joel? Opposite. Do you think Joel has a lawsuit here against the WSL for wrongful? I mean, look, they're saying yeah, I don't defamation a, of know
1: That's a question for a lawyer. That, that I, I don't think that um, it's, I, I do think that, it, that that could play out. I, I do think there's a lawyer that could look into this and go, wow, these people just put their foot in their mouth they're blowing it and that's not okay. And again, I'm not, I don't know, I don't have any legal precedent to back up any of my thoughts on this. I'm not the guy to talk about this.
0: I think this is far from over. I think there's more legs on this. And Joel uh, disappeared all these posts on social media, which makes makes me think that there's a bigger play at hand here. You know, it, it doesn't make me think that Joel's finally been Um, settled down by the WSL because that's not Joel. And by the way, Joel did not compete for 17 years. Joel doesn't need the WSL. He doesn't give a crap. And so he, he could do his own thing for another 17 years. And when they call him back, he'll win another world title. Joel is the best longboarder in the world. He's proven that over and over again. So it behooves the WSL to have the best surfer in the world surfing in their competitions. And I don't think that he would be uh, settled down by their requests. The fact that he disappeared all of those posts makes me feel like he's actually working on some other play. And I do think that there is possibility here that this was wrongful termination. I don't know if you can call it termination because he's not technically an employee, but that seems to be the angle here for me with the timing of the suspension and all that. Cause he, like I said, he was haranguing them repeatedly and they just kind of like they didn't do anything about it. they asked politely you know and then he publishes that but it's once it got personal is when the suspension came there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't get personal and so i'm wondering yeah. if that's where yes yeah, it
1: should be on to something yeah. I, and and by the way i mean as we've both mentioned i think that the cause is honorable and we just don't know yet if the um the strategy in, in pushing the cause is going to be effective or not. Uh, right now it seems to be effective because we're talking about it. But, uh, you know, I do think that if you're a commissioner of a league and you're having – and you're in a relationship with a competitor in that league, that is a huge problem. And that simply cannot happen. There's just yeah. – and I'm not saying anything bad is because of it, but it's the look of impropriety yeah. that you simply cannot have as a professional league. I'm sorry. You just totally. don't see NBA play, the commissioner of the NBA having uh, a relationship with an NBA player or a WNBA player or an, and it just doesn't happen. It's just, it's kind of um, human resources. 101. It's just very
0: simple. Completely. Um, now my personal commentary on this is, the WSL has mismanaged this debacle. If I, so Joel is the surfer surfer. Joel represents, yeah. he is salt. In, uh, he's the he's salt. an avatar. He's an avatar that you would want as a surfer. Exactly. And so they should always be leaning into that imagery because he's who we all want to be basically. And when he started being a rabble rouser, It was a real opportunity for them to leak a story to ESPN, Eric Logan himself, leak it to ESPN and be like, you guys need to talk, do a story about how our current world longboard champ is calling us out for feigning equality, you know, and then ESPN is now writing about the WSL and then WSL, maybe, maybe they accommodate him. Maybe Eric grabs the mic and tells Joel to shut up because that's not what we're doing. You know what I mean? There's opportunity here in the way that Conor McGregor, Tito Ortiz, any of these UFC fighters call out Dana White for the prize purse, they're not. he's not paying me enough. How come this other guy is making more than I do? How come Connor makes three times more than I do? And then Dana White goes, well, because he's a great showman. He's putting on a great show. Why don't you throw some bigger punches? That, And then everybody watches the next pay-per-view. This was an opportunity for the WSL in, to really elevate their awareness to the mainstream culture and for you and I to sink our teeth into the conversation, all of that. Instead, what they did was take the most corpo line you could take and attempt to stymie Conor McGregor, you know, like, hey, you know what, put some yellow tape across your mouth and quite quit talking. We don't want to hear any more from you, which is never going to work. That person's and that person's already proven they don't need the WSL. So they're definitely it's not going to work. They're not waiting for the paycheck from you because you're underpaying them in the first place. You know, it's like it's an insane misstep to me and also indicator of misunderstanding the entire space itself, because this entire space venerates the free speaking best surfer in the world.
1: Yeah, well, those are all really great points. And I agree with everything you said there. There's, there's no doubt that um, this was an opportunity uh, for the WSL to communicate a little bit more effectively. However, that is, if it's if it's through ESPN and blowing the story up so the dialogue can continue even on a national level, that would have been incredible. Yeah. And, um, again, I, le- I kind of try to boil it down to what's, what are we really talking about here? It's really not about Joel. It shouldn't. And Joel would, I think, agree with us. It's not about Joel. It's about the cause that Joel's bringing forward here. You yeah. know, if we're trying to make change, um, you know, then let's not have it focused on an individual and try to blow up the sport like Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, in a weird way, I don't know. What's so great about this is that more is going to be revealed, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, for me, I think you're right. It's not about Joel, but it represents this larger thing that the ultimate. the, I hate to use the phrase, the ultimate surfer, but the icon of a surfer versus Corpo, this is, this has represented that conversation to me. Um, our buddy Rainbow in New Zealand yeah. emailed about how the WSL picks this one thing to be adamant about, but kind of has ignored these other stories in these recent weeks to not really wave a flag about. So he said, hey, Do you need to take a break?
1: I think so. Hold on for this. Okay, that's fine. It's trash day. I got to take, take out the
0: trash. <laughs> Go for it. Um, so Rainbow from New Zealand, his email said, has anyone commented about the juxtaposition of the WSL's position over Joel Tudor's sanctioning and Kelly Slater's unsportland, unsportsmanlike conduct in smashing his surfboard in Portugal? I started choking over this four days ago with these events dropping kind of at the same time, and I'm still indignant. Even the Magno Pacheco board flick at Levi Slosson is relevant here too. Why have they not made a public statement about that? It's just blind hypocrisy. I'm not normally inclined to give credence to Joel's uh, usual banter, but I'm channeling him now. Three log board championships is never going to trump 11 short board world titles. But isn't the egalitarian argument that Joel is trying to uh, get heard all the more relevant? The WSL are running the animal farm where all the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. The hypocrisy is just sickening. Hope it finds you well. And I hope that Austin's big head is full of brains, not all a bad thing, (laughs) rainbow. And yes, follow up from last week, end of the show, Um, Austin's doctor's appointment verified. Big brains are the only thing that's in that giant head.
1: Big brains. Sounds like a Spinal Tap song. (laughs) Um,
0: But I think, I think Rainbow's point is interesting in that they have other athletes competing in their events in ways that could be interpreted as.
1: Well, he's right. I mean, what I got from that email um, was how come there's, there needs to be a better PR, better communication from the WSL about like what happened to that Magno guy and what happened to Slater and like, do you have any comment on it? And the fact of the matter is there just simply aren't any, there's a lot of this speaks to the lack of surf journalism. There's right. no beat. There used to be beat writers. Like, you know, like Matt Warshaw would be assigned to this back in 1982, you know, like he would literally fall. whoever it was. I don't know if it was Matt, but it might've been Matt George or, I mean, each magazine had a guy that was the ASP guy and he would, have direct contact with the ASP, whoever you know. If it was Ian or Rabbit or whoever, we would get commentary. Maybe it was Graham. We'd get commentary about what's going on, and we would ask. I wouldn't say we would ask tough questions because I don't think we did. We were certainly more marketing vehicles for for surfing and surf culture than anything else. But now, more than ever, the WSL is, is pulled away from the infrastructure of the surf industry. And it's getting sponsored by tequila and whoever. And um, now more than ever, we need some surf journalist, somebody to be the guy that has a good relationship with the WSL communications director that can go, hey, tell me what's, you know, what's the official party line on Magno? What's the official party line on this? What's the official party line on that? And we simply don't have that.
0: Well, I've never thought of myself as a journalist uh, because I'm not and I don't have the same rigor that journalists apply.
1: Hold on, let me, let me tell you something right now, Okay, <laughs> this is gonna be easy. Journalism is very, very simple. Who, what, where, when, and why, and then maybe
0: how. Okay, perfect, I can do that. Yeah. Um, but I don't apply the fact-checking, I don't apply the cross-referencing. <laughs> Hell no! But, but my point is, um, I used to have open lines of communication with them, and I would ask the hard questions, hear publicly and those lines of communication have been shut they don't want to hear from me anymore but
1: do you mean if you reach out to dave Prodan, he doesn't answer your text uh he, has and
0: he, hasn't. he yeah. has and he hasn't he has and he hasn't right exactly so there's times where he absolutely has not but what still happens is there's employees there who still communicate with me all the time so i can get all the information really i um, mean like well back, not, not back channeling under like hidden secret sources not see i mean look the the employees no i I can't speak for all of them but some of them might not be thrilled with the way things are happening and they're comfortable communicating that to say hey you're right about this or or like you got this one detail wrong here's the actual story so with the magno pacheco you ask how long is he suspended for i think it's six months he is suspended the wsl did not as far as i know Make a public statement about that or a press release about that, but he is suspended. It looks like he was only action was only taken after Levi Slauson posted it publicly on social media, so that's a problem. But they did take action, and the action is suspension and a fine. I don't know how much the fine is, and I think the suspension is for six weeks. The Kelly Slater incident, him jumping on the board in Portugal after a heat loss. That footage wow. just came out after he lost this last event in Portugal. Turns out that footage is four years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was wondering so, about, yeah. Yeah, so that's worth stating uh, if we want to be journalists here and do the actual due diligence. Yeah. But I think that uh, Rainbow's point is still valid. It is yeah. still like, yeah. why are you guys making a big deal about this one thing over here? Probably because he you hurt your feelings, that's And,
1: in, and in some regards, That could speak to why Joel's just like, hey, man, the only way to get this thing out is to throw it out and let the see what sticks on the wall here, because in the past, the WCL hasn't been really great about communication
0: efforts. Yeah. Um, Rainbow closed out the email with a couple of jokes. He's like, hey, you know what else? They should ban him from Santa Monica. They should ban him from San-O because it shares the S-A-N of Santa Monica. They should ban him, cancel him from the EOS for having a longer entry than the WSL has. He gave <laughs> me a few others and things that they should ban him from. Oh my. But,
1: Rainbow coming in hard with some hot takes.
0: It's been a while since we've heard from Rainbow, but good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Um, I want to take a moment, say a prayer for the beloved one and only Dick Brewer. Yeah. Dick Brewer's wife, uh, Sherry's been posting on Facebook that he's kind of in his final stage of life. And um, so I'll bring people up to speed on Dick Brewer or just give some background actually. Tom Parrish says, quote, Dick Brewer stands alone in just about every regard. If you go back to the early 60s and see how advanced his designs were, then add in every single change Uh, they add in every single change for the better. From fixing the the deck rocker to coming up with that three-stage bottom rocker, which Britt Merrick was talking about, to mini guns, to full-size guns, and much, much more. There was simply nobody that did what Brewer did. Matt Warshaw says, apart from The boards being the absolute gold standard and apart from being the first and last greatest shaping guru brewers contribution was to look outside of surfing his engineering background everything that he knew about cars about machining about speed and drive and torque. He brought all of that to bear in the shaping room. Luckily for our sport, he wasn't born and raised on the beach. He loved surfing best of all, but he was smart enough to look beyond surfing to our great benefit.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So thoughts thoughts, and prayers are with Dick and Sherry as they, uh, you know, go through this hard time.
0: Yep. And we've seen him at the boardroom show in recent years. He's always come down, make an appearance. And uh Yeah shake babe kiss hands shake babies as we yeah, say exactly yeah so uh do you have a duke kook any of that stuff
1: uh no i apologize i don't have any duke or kook this week
0: no big deal let's give brewer the duke
1: yeah absolutely he's the duke
0: um i texted Britt when you were or during our commercial break because i felt bad yeah. i was like dude i totally probably misworded that question i meant to tee up To acknowledge the success of the mid-length and then kind of redirect about the investment in the rookies and the shortboard, reinvestment in the high-performance shortboard and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure I misspoke in the question, but I totally didn't mean to throw him under the bus with that. So he gave me a thumbs up. All good. I mean, he gave me more than the thumbs up, but all is good. He flipped you off too. Exactly.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, look, Um, great show. Um. I think, David, we're through. Until next time, adios and aloha.
3: We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee We don't take our trips on LSD We don't burn our draft cards down on Main Street Cause we like living right and being free. We don't make a party out of loving but we like holding hands and pitching woo. We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy like the hippies out in San Francisco to do And I'm proud to be An Okie from A A place where even squares Can have a ball We still wave Old glory down at The courthouse White lightning Still the biggest Thrill of all Leather boots are still in style For manly footwear Beads and Roman sandals Won't be seen And football's still The roughest thing on campus And the kids here still respect The college dean And I'm proud An Okie from Muskogee A place where even squares Can have a ball We still wave old glory Down at the courthouse White lightning still The biggest thrill of all And white lightning still biggest thrill of all